Hi, I'm Wayne Comben from Wayne Comben Angling on YouTube, and you're listening to the DNA Fishing Podcast from Dan Sissons and Adam Kirby. Welcome to the episode two of the DNA Fishing Podcast with me, Adam Kirby, and my very good friend, Dan Sissons. Man, we made it to the second podcast. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. And um, I've had some smashing messages from people. I know you have too. Um, some lovely comments and bits and pieces. So, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. It seems that we've um, we've sent maybe a high bar, which we'll do our best to uh, to keep up with. We'll try. I don't know if it's worth the editing yet, but we're getting close. <laughs> so uh yeah i see you got you got wayner to do the uh the intro this time around yeah i i it, there was a lot of um a lot of heavy contract negotiation there but um we got the legend the south coast legend that is wayne comden on board and uh please everyone check him out wayne comden angling on uh, youtube he's got some quite interesting stuff on there some nice underwater footage for fans of uh of red mullet and balons and uh, cork wings, so a little bit left left field. So yeah, but we thank Wayne for getting involved in that, and he's a good pal of ours. Um, did he just have a win? Did I see? Did he win the uh, Inter Club? He did. He had a. He had a. He, he's a. He's a club legend. Is Wayne? Yep. So he um he secured. Uh, I can take some reflective glory on this because he he he, he um won back the Inter Club trophy, which is about four or five clubs in our area. The battle against each other. So though I didn't go, we were out together, as you well know. I will take some glory in that. So thank you. That's that's very yeah, kind. He is a legend. He's uh, successful shark hunter, and and yet still the only man to be bitten by a taupe in the Siangin Classic. That's my favourite story. And one of the very few men that I'm aware of that's had an 18 pound bass. That's one <laughs> yeah, eight, that. ladies I'm and gentlemen. Jealous. 18 pound bass. So for the. <laughs> So, dude, I know, I know, we want to, we got lots of stuff to cover this week, lots of important matters um, at hand. But I think where we need to begin, really, is your little foray up into the canal, the first one of the the autumn, yes. I suppose. Um, what's it like out there, mate? Is it still still is it full of bait still? What what was what's the uh, what's the dealio? Yes, from eighteen pound bass to twelve centimeter perch. Nice segue, like. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so where are we? We're October, right? So uh, traditionally first uh, perch fishing of the year. I uh, should explain, we didn't really get into perch fishing the traditional way, so we've not read the handbook. So if other people are thinking October perch fishing, actually our reason for perch fishing in October is more often than not that's when the autumn storms arrive and it... it uh, it puts a, a short end to our sea fishing uh, momentum normally, but that's not the case this year, is it? I mean, we're doing all right. We've had some no. lovely forecasts. Maybe we'll get to the fishing that we've had a bit later on. So, yeah, on the canal, uh, Kennet and Avon is my local. Most of my, apart from the reservoir stuff, most of my fishing is actually canal stuff, which I love. You know, like it's not to it's not everyone's cup of tea. Canal fishing's a bit marmite, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't mind the challenge of it. Uh, yeah, it's good. So anyway, getting down there, it was quite interesting. Yeah, well, first first go is always interesting because, you know, you don't really know what you're going to find. And I think this year has been a bit different in terms of we've had some exceptional sort of weather patterns. So uh, 
two two things stand out from memory when I arrived. The water clarity was, uh, which is you know the bane of your life as a canal lure angler is turning up and it looking like milkshake. Uh, it was actually all right. Um, I don't know what it was. Maybe certainly a foot of his, maybe eighteen inches, which I can work with that. It's been a lot worse. But it's worth uh, remembering, the, isn't it? That could be 18, yeah. 18 inches of his in three foot of water, right? So yeah, exactly. So so at that range, you know, you you you, you, you get a bit buoyed when you turn up and you can see, you know, the rocks or sticks or whatever that are on the first step in a foot of water if you can see those you know you know that it's you know it's in your favor you're going to catch a few fish and that's what i've got but but really the standout thing which was interesting was the amount of weed the amount of weed in the canal because i don't fish the canal in summer because i've got a lovely uh i've got a lovely english channel to to fish for other things so it's very odd for me to turn up with a canal and first cast and I've buried it into a into a weed bed that from you know my limited when I fish it my limited experience of fishing the canal there's no weed there at all normally so so that was interesting and I mean it wasn't it wasn't scabby weed it wasn't the remnants of weed it was bright green I'm very healthy thank you very much weed so yeah, that was interesting, uh, and that was my first challenge, really. So I went down with, I mean, all manner of ways. We both have got all manner of ways of fishing the canal. Um, I was itching to take some of my hard-earned uh, JDM hard baits down there and start throwing those around. So that's why I had the smaller, smaller jerk baits for me. Um, I started kind of usual stuff like. Not not no, no actually not usual stuff. Not one tens, not even juniors, um, not even X eighties. Like you know, it's early season stuff. It's fry, as you hinted at at the start there. So I did go a bit on the smaller scale. So I was starting on like I think my first lure on was a Lucky Craft point at sixty five, sixty five mil jerk bait. Uh, and yeah, there was too much. I was straight straight in the in the weed. So I. Um, yeah, you know, swapped and changed with a few bits. We got like uh, pointers, X80 juniors, Nanahans, duo, duo Realis Shads, that kind of stuff. And I was working my way around. I was getting the odd Q cut hit from a cucumber, a uh, small, <laughs> small slimy rocket uh, pike, uh, finding a few little perch. But I was I was struggling because basically the canal wasn't like I expected it to be. And then I think I just chanced upon it. I, I mean, I was like, working through the hard baits, trying to work out what felt good to me, at least, trying to get a bit of a reaction. I ended up on probably one of the smallest lures in my box, which is, uh, well, it's a tiny little uh, inch-long hard bait by Megabass called a Livex Smolt. It's actually a shad bait, but you can fish it. Sorry, I don't need to explain what a shad bait is. Shad bait's not a particularly well-known uh, sort of lure type genre in in UK, even in Europe. Like I should explain. Like I'm I'm borrowing that heavily from Japanese market. In in Japan, a shad bait. It's not like a, sh a soft plastic shad. A shad bait is somewhere between a crank bait and a jerk bait. It will fish on a straight retrieve. It'll, but it will suspend often on the pause 
Um, and you can use it as a full, or a lot of them, you could use it as a full-blown jerk bait. So I like, I really like that style because it, it allows you to do all manner of things. Perch love a crankbait, as you know, especially when it's a bit warmer. So that's partly where my head was at. It gave me the ability, if I wanted to do, to search just ping it around and you know retrieve that in and try and try and get a knock as to where where the perch shells were but actually the reason i wanted to go fishing was to you know do a bit of jerk oh man i'm 100 percent. so but you do too one of the things we will cover this through the winter i think maybe a bit more thoroughly right um some canal stuff and bits and pieces because we've got um I think it's an interesting story, really, how we got into canal fishing in the very first place, like going back a long time ago and bits and pieces and then subsequently fishing competitions and things. But I think just rewinding back there, because you've just covered those that, that little shad-style bait, is that what's the depth that's going to run at? Because instinctively, any kind of bait, any a lot of anglers on the canal want to be fishing two or three inches above the bottom, but that's not going to do so, right? Am I right in saying that? Um yeah, it's complicated. I mean, I mean, you can get you can get these baits to do whatever you want. I mean, you know, there are specialist shad baits sure. that will do ten foot. Um, but when you're when you're applying that kind of style bait to a canal, it, it there's an extra consideration there, which is your casting distance. I mean, you know, there are massive canals, right? There are shipping canals. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the sure. Kennet and Avon here. So it's not very far across at all. So you have to consider that because what the lure state, what the depth that the lure states on its box is probably reliant on pinging it as far as you can and having the depth to work that lure to its full potential. Yeah. So actually when you're on the canal, you know, like it's, it's unlikely that it's going to hit its, its main depth. I mean, I, I tried both things. I mean, sometimes, I mean, we always say, don't we like perch love to eat shit off the bottom. Like, drag method something that's tapping they, they pin it against the bottom they chase it on the bottom um yeah hence yeah, exactly the success right. of the ned so, rig over the yeah, years a bit of yes. both, really i haven't really got a straight answer to that sometimes i like it suspending uh you know okay. like dead still and they'll come up and whack it if they're if they're active um other times i like it to kind of occasionally ping the bottom and bounce back up and suspend and that seems to turn them on too but actually that's the opposite of where i'm going with this story which which is yeah as i say it's a bit different to normal i mean i should say i fished <laughs> it's a bit of an understatement i fished the Kennet and avon my local section a lot and it felt genuinely felt that uh the other day it fished a bit different and kind of gave me something that I've not really seen before, which is obviously very interesting. So what I stumbled across, like pattern, as you as you may want to put it, is uh, I was fishing like the, I'm sure everyone will understand what I mean. I was fishing like the, the key bit, just, you know, above and below each lock where the narrow boats pull in before they fanny about with the water. Um, but just to explain that a little bit, like the key section is a man-made section of the... I oh know it's all man-made, but you know what I mean. It's a, it's an artificial structure because it's got a vertical wall. Mm. It's obviously got a retaining wall just to aid where the boats pull in and tie up easy on and off, right? So, uh, yeah, it's great. It's a, it's a vertical wall. And what I realised, probably because I was doing a you know an active retrieve up in the water, 
is I had enough sort of follows and hits and a couple of fish here and there that I realised that for whatever reason, and I don't know, is the perch wanted it up in the water. And in fact, as I kind of dialed that in, I realised not only did they want it up in the water, they wanted it at the top of the water. Um, I don't think it would have worked using top waters per se, uh, but it was clear that what was happening is the perch were working these walls and they were herding their prey item, probably fry, up against the wall, up the wall, and then actually they were using the surface of the water as a structure. So, you know, where the surface of the water meets the side of the canal, the retaining wall, the surface of the water in itself is a structure, right? You know, the fish can't fly, so they're trapped in that corner, and that's that's what the perch were doing. It was um, it was really interesting to see that because I've not seen that before. In fact, the only memory you may remember this, the only memory I had, or the strongest memory I had of something like that, was do you remember when we fished the Bristol Black event? Did you fish that one? And the we, you know, it was a toughie. And then we worked out that the perch were sat under the resident boats and houseboats. And do you remember that? I don't think I did the Bristol one. Ah, uh, well, that was a similar deal in that it was a tough mm. day for all. And then you know, like halfway through, a few of us worked out that the perch were 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 sat right under the boat and they were hunting under the boat. It was. Yeah, a bit different to uh, most of the fishing that we do. So, yeah, I found that super interesting. That is super interesting. Yeah. So, um, so status, all man. What what was your what was your body count? Uh, we yeah, ended up on twenty four perch and seven little pike, which, you know, it's not it's not too far from you know like a wasping kind of no. Uh, count right so with half the top that, session that isn't feels it? like yeah it's good progress yeah exactly that's a, that's a, and, and and on hard baits as well right you know so yeah exactly yeah exactly. i think you know that's a that's a solid session i can't wait i can't wait to um for the shorter days i know but yeah i do in i do enjoy a, a session up on the canal up there and it's very uh very cathartic away from the sea just uh wandering up and down the bank there and watching the kingfishers and stuff it's good and also it's a good place as you rightly put to uh test out some of your yeah, pink man. gear right because it's pretty it's pretty safe in that sense although you know i dare say that you've left a few expensive hard baits in some uh, <laughs> yeah i don't want to talk some about expensive that. christmas tree <laughs> decorations along the way so but yeah we will come back yeah. to that in the future we will come back because because you again it will be a long old winter and we'll be looking for something to do, and inevitably that's where we end up going. So, um, and when we go up there these days, it's uh, you know we just throw some stuff around, and you know, but maybe we will sort of talk back about you know our old days on the ring of shads, and you know all, all yeah, that kind of stuff, right? Because you know some people might be interested in it, and it's still um, a very popular arm of the sport. That aside, this is all well and good. Um, I just, go on, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I remembered a little, uh, a little anecdote, a little story from the end of the, end of the day. Like out of those perch, I had three, three good perch, three sort of thirty pluses, which is good for my water. Good, for very me. good. Um, and there, there was a really memorable one towards the end that I think you'll, um, yeah, you'll appreciate. 
the frustration of how this normally goes and how lucky I was here. But um, I was working, I was working one of these said walls with the jerk bait, and I was enjoying it because it was quite visible. You know, cast it out, get it to depth, jerk it kind of back up in the water, and more often than not, it would be followed by you know uh, either a gang of small perch or a good perch. And um, classically, most lure anglers will have a similar story. Uh, at some point is at one occasion I'm I'm working the lure back and um, I'm kind of at this stage like because I know where the fish are I know they're against this wall I'm like a rod length back from the water's edge because you know if I'm peering over the top my shadow you know they're not stupid I'll see that and I'll scare them off so I'm stood I'm stood a rod length back and basically only the tip of my rod is poking sort of over the side enough to work the lure back along the edge and um, I'm working it back, working it back. And then as it gets kind of into range, you know, like kind of lengthen my neck a little bit to have a look and just out of interest, see if anything's following it. And there's a 30 plus, right? He's flared up, the dorsal fins up, like really exciting moment for anyone. Uh, and of course, the classic happens in the, he's, he's, I've, I've stirred him up with a jerk bait, like whack, whack, pause, whack, whack, pause. I've gone whack whack paws peered over. There he is. He's looking. He's looking at it. But it's that classic. I've run out of room, so like I can't. I, I you know I can't keep. I can't. I know that you know the lure angler room is like I need to keep that moving. You read it again and again. What do you do when you get a follow or a hit? You don't stop. You keep going. That's right. But yeah, I can't go stop. anywhere. I've run out of room. It's like a massive frustration. So. It seems it seems like an absolute lifetime in my memory, but it was probably seconds, if not split second. But um, so there's 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 me like my head's just slightly peering over to be able to see this perch. It can't see me because most of my body's obscured by the by the edge of the uh, bank there. He's looking at the lure, wondering what's going on, but he's not turned away. He's still interested, but he's like, "Why isn't this thing moving anymore?" I'm staring at the perch thinking, I really want you to take it, but I can't do anything about it. And it's kind of like, you know, the penny's dropping that, oh, it's going to be this old chestnut again and he's he's going to turn away. And, like, it's just amazing. Like, so so I'm focused on this perch. And, and bizarrely, I've mentioned the weed, which is unusual. As this event is kind of... Uh, sort of panning out as I describe it. This this huge ball, this huge ball of detached wheat comes out of nowhere. There's a slight bit of flow. It doesn't come out of nowhere. It's going slowly, but I haven't noticed it. This this huge ball of wheat works its way along, and basically this huge ball of wheat like bangs into my lure, which is now floating on the surface. So we've got Mister Perch still flared up, staring at this lure. But now my lure is on the edge of a huge ball of weed. And like opportunist that I am, I mean, it's pure luck that this happened, right? I couldn't believe my luck is I'm like, oh, hold on. It now looks a bit natural that this that this prey item has gone into this weed to hide. So all I do is I've got the line and I'm just I'm really, really like tiny, tiny movements because I've just got nowhere to, to move the lure. So the lure is literally floating on the surface, not working like a jerk bait at all. It's floating on the floating on the surface, but it's it's now sort of shimmying, and there's like 
you know, sort of the rings are, are coming round it on the top of the water. And I'm super lucky that it was enough for him to think, oh, no, that is alive. And he just boom, whacked it in front of my eyes. And he's on. And it was just like, oh, yeah, that's quality. I really enjoyed that. I mean, it's those gifts, isn't it? It's just those gifts and that kind of opportunist uh, mentality. Oh, <laughs> I was very lucky. We, were you were you on bait that day or spinning? Uh, no, I went spinning. Yeah, normally when I'm on the re- oh, okay. I'm to be on the really small stuff. Like, I really enjoyed that last year. Uh, Eleven gram rod, fluorocarbon, probably on five pound fluorocarbon on that outfit. Yeah, it was cool. Nice and light. Good fun. At least, um, at least you had a a decent drag because we're on those short range hits, right? Often there's nowhere to go, and then particularly, I mean, as much as particularly in the last few years, as as we uh, increasingly enjoy our bait caster fishing, there's no doubt that the drags don't compare, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So for that to uh, happen at short range and it give you a bit of movement on that, oh well, well, well hopefully then that, that bodes well for a. Uh, for a season ahead, right? I mean, because you know, let's face it, we're we're already. I know. I mean, we got plenty of time left in the salt. Of course, we have. But ultimately, you know, we all end up wishing our lives away for mid end of April, sort of thing, to until things start kicking off again. So, whether it's on the canal or whether it's up on the uh, reservoirs or wherever that might be, yeah, it's going to be fun, man, this time around because we've got some stuff to try, haven't we? Again, yeah. as we seem to have every year. So, yeah. same fish. Different methods, different lures. It's exciting again, isn't it? That's that's where we're at. Yeah, oh, yeah, it is. And and also, as we've learned, that it's you know approaching a, a well trodden venue such as your stretch, and you've done it, you know, way more than I have. But with different gear, different tactics, different styles. First of all, it makes it interesting, yeah. and secondly, it does unlock some things, doesn't it? So it's you know, and hopefully we we can kind of illustrate that maybe a little bit through the winter. Um, we have been out on the boat though, mind, haven't we? In between these, yeah, you've been fishing too. I've been fishing too. We've been out and we've been doing some stuff. So, um, what was? Well, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do that podcast thing where I'm asking questions that I know the answer to. I'm getting a bit above my station. <laughs> we um. We went ras fishing, right? So we, we went out in, 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 in your boat and um, we had a, a solid, a solid 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10 forecast. Uh, weekend just gone. Um, small tides. Um, and we decided that we were going to tuck in nice and nice and shallow and see what see what rash we could pick up and that was based on a trip that you had a couple of weeks previous right which we did speak about in the great lost episode which will uh, never hear the light of day but um so just remind us again man what what drew what drew you first into that shallow water in an area that we fished a thousand times over the years before yes so i'll try and keep this short but uh maybe two or three seasons ago now in some different area that we fish I kind of stumbled across uh, the autumn ras bite uh, doing darting method, which we talked about previously, I believe. Um, yeah, and it, it kind of a few sort of bits of the puzzle fell into place, and I realised that you know this time of year they seem the big fish seem to be really active, like really skinny water, most probably because um, 
even more so than the rest of the year they're probably targeting fish fry uh small fish uh year one as etc so so yeah i've been explore i've been exploring that for the last um uh, few years as forecasts have allowed but yeah when when that when that for that beauteous uh forecast opened up the other day it just seemed seemed silly not to get on uh one of our familiar marks but fish it in an entirely different way and hereby yeah but a bit like you were saying about the perch fishing right we fished that we fished that mark for i want to say best part of 20 years probably won't be surprised mm-hmm. if it was a bit more than that yeah and yet here we are 2023 and we're attacking it in an entirely different way uh than we have before and finding out new cool stuff about it which is yeah like i say it's exciting you can be fishing the same same old junk for 20 years and yet you you change your mindset and all of a sudden you've got something brand new on your hands yeah good and what i what i particularly enjoy about fishing in that shallow water um is that we can we obviously we can fish lighter and i know that might sound peculiar but anyone who's familiar with fishing for when you're hopefully big ballon rats is that you know you need to beef your gear up a little bit because they will you know they'll teach you a lesson they'll they'll find you out and and that will happen but we can get away with it a little bit because we're fishing kind of on top of them a little bit and providing you can turn them and get them in you know the away from the bottom as quick as we can it, it allows us to fish a little bit lighter so i think i would have been on maybe maximum 10 pound leader that day sometimes a little a bit, bit lighter, lighter yeah. Yeah, yeah sometimes I, yeah, I mean yeah eight pound some of the darting stuff i do you know sometimes i'm not i'm not advocating it but sometimes i fish six pound on darting because the nature of the lure being up in the water is the ras when they hit are further away from their bolt holes which is where the danger is so you stand more yeah, chance and, of um winning and also yeah i'm i'm, I'm we're fishing laws we're not fishing huge you know I, I mean i did fish big at one point but we i'm not we're not fishing particularly small laws so even a big ras is going to struggle to find the leader at that point i didn't get bitten off at any point during the day so um this time around i mean i have done before but not not this time around i didn't get bitten off and a big ballon willy will go through 10 pound 14 17 pound leader if, if it finds it so um you make a good point so when you i make say a good light, point about the fact that i don't think we lost any or too many certainly and i think you know that that advice is around fishing the circumstance the moment that you find yourselves in we had we've said a cast iron weather forecast like almost zero mm. wind uh probably zero wind for some of the day and what that meant was is we were fishing well <laughs> by our standards um and what that means is, is because mm. you know because you don't have a bow in the line caused by a wind you obviously react to a bite split second quicker than you would if the conditions are hindering that. So, again, that all comes into it, right, is that, you know, if you fish too light on a day where you're not in control, well, you know, the wrasse is going to get a split second on you because that feeling's a bit numb and you've got a higher chance yep. you're going to lose that battle. And, and on top of that, you know, you, you've got more chance that you you're not going to feel that you've just dropped into a gully and you've got a higher chance to snag up. So, so yeah, good points. Like, 
every day is different set up accordingly i guess some of that only comes with experience right but it's all part of it it's all useful stuff about having a balanced outfit and a plan of attack yeah definitely so i mean if we set the scene for people at home um we're at anchor so we're not drifting that day so you're you're on a really short anchor rope right so we're just kind of locking ourselves in position again we can only get away with that because there's very little tidal flow and there's no there was a bit of swell funny enough yeah, that day that but weird. um you know it was a weird weird business going on there and um but we, you can fish a short anchor rope so we're, we're not drifting or meandering around in the tide or the breeze there and on our Irish spotlock. Irish spot. That. I don't even think can you even say that these days. I don't. Should I say I that don't now? Know. But we've already think, been cancelled. We're going to be cancelled on episode two, um, and then on our the way the the way we were positioned, if you like, um, on our starboard side of the boat, on the right hand side of the boat, which is facing the shore, we've got a little bit of reef just sat maybe. It's rising up and peaking about maybe twenty thirty foot to our right. Okay, is that? Is that, am I remembering that correctly? It yeah. would be, wouldn't it? Give or yeah, take. That's about right. Which means we can cover the top of that down to under the boat. And even under the boat, we're still maybe only in eight foot, right? I'm, yeah, eight it, foot. It's still say. very, very shallow. Yeah. So, it's, uh, And by normal boating standards, you probably classify that as a bit naughty. So yep. I suppose I feel. I feel like the disclaimers, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the disclaimers yeah, 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 yeah. need to come out here and say, like, um, you know, definitely we're not recommending that you move in the sea anyway. It's a different, it's a totally different beast to what you find on a lake or a reservoir, uh, despite what you think you might be used to in like windy conditions. It's a different animal with things like swell. I mean, this, the swell that Dan's alluded to there was probably lifting and dropping the boat by a metre. So what, three foot when you're in eight foot? You get that ever so slightly wrong and uh, you could be in a whole world of uh, trouble. In fact, later in the day, as the tide, you know, tidal, obviously, the sea, the tide's dropping and at, at the low point of the tide, that swell was actually breaking over the top to the point, you know, I've got quite a substantial boat. You can always have a bigger boat, but it's fairly it's fairly substantial. But even in a substantial boat, you get that wrong, you get caught in that in that swell as it turns over on itself and you're gonna be in a world of a world of oh, trouble. Yeah. We're, we're getting wet at so, that point. Yeah. Yeah, we should explain that we've already said like we've we've fished in and around this mark for over twenty years from other people's boats uh our boat our, our various boats so we know it well and we made calculated uh decisions on how close we could get to it even even to the point actually that i felt that the biggest wrasse were going to be sat on the shallowest part of the reef yeah and we we weren't able to target that on this day despite the calm conditions the swell was a bit naughty as i said mm. so um so yeah, you've got to be careful. That's yeah. All I oh yeah. To say. And like I say, yeah, we're not. Um, we're certainly not encouraging people to go out in their boats and just drop in six, eight foot of water. If you know your area well, you you know what you should or shouldn't be doing. So that's it. But it just so happened that's what we were doing this day, right? Because again, like I say, twenty years in and hundreds of hours worth of um, uh, time, particularly in this mark, because in this mark earlier in the year we may fish there for bream. 
all kinds of things around this particular. It's, it's it's one of the few areas that we have actually out of um, East Solent, Portsmouth, whatever way you want to describe it, where we've got some proper reef. We've got some rock. We've got some hardware. We've got some weed. Um, there's a lot of barren sand around our way because essentially it's a giant estuary, which is where we live. Um, so just about to, when, when we find or when we found over the years, these little areas of scattered reef and all that, which are well known, lots of people know about them, um, because, mainly because they're littered with pot boys and, and buffs from lost anchors over the years. Um, for the, the, the light, light game anglers, the law anglers in us, it gives us something that we haven't got a great deal of, and that's everything from wrasse fishing through to there's minis there. You know, we had some through the day. It's just a fun place to fish, providing we can get away with it. And this day, it, it gave us that little window of opportunity, in much the same way that on a cast iron forecast and small tides, you know, in the past, we've done 60, 70 miles in your boat heading south the wrong way. So, you know, it, it's... um. No lesser risk, but oh, yeah. you know, within uh, within earshot of dogs barking on the beach. So, it's um, so you'd been there a couple of weeks previous, and and kind of got me buzzed and hyped up about it because it's short range ras fishing. It's kind of hit and hold stuff. It's all good fun, and you know, you were saying, look, it's entirely bait castable. We can get out there, we can do some stuff, um, and just by chance, we never really spoke about this before. We both. Actually, I'm, I'm talking about you went straight on the darting method or, or the wine method, and I was instantly into the um, free rig because it's just, and maybe we'll touch on that a little bit shortly, just uh, for those that aren't familiar with that particular style of fishing. But I think, particularly you were on the darting method, it's such an under the rod tip kind of immediate way and style of fishing sort of thing. There's no, there's no second chances in that is there it's kind of you're getting tonked it's it's just a nice immediate kind of like an early morning wake me up style of fishing is how i would describe <laughs> yeah. it. it it's going to get the adrenaline going pretty quick right yeah i mean if you you know if you're looking at the, the, the positives of darting versus uh free rig or more traditionally anglers may be more familiar with something like texas which is a similar style like Darting is a more active method and it's a, a virtually tight line method. So it's good because you can search about, it's castable. Um, uh, and secondly, I think this is your point is, you know, like you're working the lure back. It's not, it's not like the free rig where there's an element of slack and you're waiting for a slack line bite. So it is immediate in that sense. Now, yeah, I should explain my thought process because it changes rapidly. So I think you're right. I think I did start on darting. And the reason I started on darting was that was the technique that I already knew I needed to be using this time of year where we were. Like I was immediately <laughs> I was immediately confident that that was going to work. And, you know, I think I did have success pretty quickly with some medium sized ras, But that's where the story kind of ends. Like, I'm kind of known for this, I suppose. We might be known for this, but I'm quite happy fishing the wrong, wrong in inverted commas, the wrong method. So I went, I had already gone into this day just with a feeling like not, I'm putting my, how do I even explain this? I'm putting my sort of hunter, uh, 
hunter-gatherer, like watercraft angler to one side, and actually I'm I'm allowing myself to use stuff that I want to use just because it's cool, right? I'm hoping I'm not alone here. I know I'm not alone with, with you. I know you think like this too. Is that I I knew I I think I already said like I know what's happening in this mark. I know shallow marks like this the ras are hunting fish and not necessarily small fish fairly big fish too um so obviously if you you know you buy and we all we all us lure anglers buy into match the hatch but sometimes you gotta just let you just gotta let yourself do a little bit more of what you want because that's when you learn right you, you don't learn by doing the same thing over and over again so I don't know how long I was using diet before, but it wasn't long until um, the green-eyed monster appeared and I was very envious of you throwing uh, free rig and creature baits around. So so actually, I spent most of the weekend fishing creature baits only, really, because um, because I wanted to do so and I love it. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, but I know it was against the flow. Of course. How, how often do we see this when, you know, both you and I... It, I mean, it's all finished now, but when we're glued to um, uh, the US bass tournaments and stuff like that, and yes, of course, whilst there will be fish feeding on particular forage or prey or bait fish or craws or whatever, there's always there's always another way to get their attention and to and 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 to get them interested. So, um, whilst, of course, you know, if if we if I was taking a newcomer to that mark let's say in their their own boat and they've said dan i, I want to get into ras fishing on plastics never done it can you take me somewhere and we just stumbled or what we happened upon that mark i probably would have rigged them up with something much more basic than that maybe a cheb rig with an offset hook on there like a worm hook maybe a stick bait like a worm something something pretty basic and i would have said to cast it out and slow wind it back along the bottom and eventually you'll get a ding and you'll you'll get hooked up because that would have been my hundred percenter, right? That would have been look, I want this, I want this person to to get hooked up as quick as possible because I want them, I want them to enjoy it. Whereas we're not fishing for the table, we're not fishing in a competition, we're not doing it for anything other than we're just going to go out, drink some tea, eat some biscuits, and hopefully catch some fish. So it can afford us some time to try out some different stuff. And I know I'm pretty sure that anyone law fishing now listening have all done the same thing at, at many points on their local waters, thought, you know, I'm going to fish something inappropriate today. Not that we were fishing inappropriately, because we're fishing in methods that we know catch before. But certainly over the last four or five years, I'm going back to a time that we didn't even know what the name of the rig was. We've been using a free rig to good effect. It started off, I think, probably on our bream fishing, on our on our sort of early season bream. For me, it did anyway. It was an early season bream method. Um uh, which we'll hopefully we'll we'll cover next year if if people are still interested, and there's no question now. Once we actually, once I actually discovered what the name of it was, I think for a while we were calling it kind of like a running caro rig and stuff like that. But essentially, we're using special weights and a lure that will, if it's not floating necessarily, there is some resistance on it. So as you lift the rod tip and drop it, the weight falls quicker than the lure. It's a free-running line, and then the lure will slowly flutter down to the bottom. And for RAS, 
as you quite rightly say, even if they're preoccupied with bait, and we knew there was bait there because the screen was covered in it, and I was foul looking the tiniest little. Oh yeah, I mean that was it was t- little glass I mean, clear. I've seen those before. No, absolutely tiny, and there's as we know from before, particularly on fishing reservoirs, when there's so much bait around, it's very difficult. They're they're preoccupied on that. They're not really hungry in that sense, although they will be feeding. It was a case of, well, let's just, let's just chuck some creatures in front of them, for want of a better word, and, and see what happens. And it, and it happened quite quickly, to be honest. We've been, we're not talking big fish here. You know, we were... They would have been, might have been started off quite small, 25, 30, 32, 35 centimetre fish. Not the big 50 pluses that, that would have really been great to see. Um, but it was quite quick and it was quite steady through the day, right? I mean, it, it never really slackened off too much, apart from maybe when we just lost position um, temporarily. But the free rig... Don't get me too wrong. I mean, if, if, if I've been throwing what I wanted, i.e. creature baits on a free rig, and it wasn't happening. <laughs> it wouldn't have taken me very long at all to switch back to something that, that of had more success. But you're right. The day was so beautiful. It allowed us to fish exactly how we wanted to fish. And, um, yeah, we, 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 we had a solid stream of fish all day. I actually... I actually started off light. I was on. I was using the LRF rod to begin with because I wanted to see if there was some um, mini stuff around. That was initially my first port of call because it was, despite many years of, of messing around with soft plats in the water, neither of us have managed a boat scorpion fish. And it seemed like the perfect day in shallow water in the right ground that I might be able to break that duck. So I did try that initially without any success, I have to say. But we were picking up cork wings and little pollock and all that kind of stuff. And there's always that element of where we're fishing there. There might be something that we haven't found before. There might be a freaky, a freaky blenny there somewhere. There might be some, and I'm sure there is. I mean, I'm sure there's stuff there that we haven't uh, connected with before. And on a on a nice calm day, it's very unusual, really, that we can break out sub 10 gram rods on the boat even if we're fishing really shallow so yeah. when that's there I, I i i i take that opportunity because you just never know but it just resulted in a lot of small balance um which was great because it mean we, we knew there was fish there and i was pleasantly quite surprised because i did expect to get beasted by a monster on the first or second <laughs> yeah, cast always. there on 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 an eight on an eight gram rod and just get destroyed sort of thing so which wouldn't have been any fun at all um and then you went the other but, way so well, the most memorable yeah. catch I've got from you over the weekend was you getting a decent bass on what looked to be a huge paddle tail, a Western jobby. Uh, I think it was at least six inches, uh, which I love to see because I'm always, I always seem to be stood on my uh, usual soapbox on my own saying about how. Ballon ras are grade A predators, and that we should stop looking at them as just being uh, a bit aggressive and a bit territorial, and actually just admit that that these big ras are every bit the predator of. Um, oh yeah, man! I mean, this was similar. It was a, This isn't a paid promotion, but it was a it was a Western kick tee shad tail. Uh, I've got the details in front of me here. Fifteen centimeters, under six inches in old money. Um, the lure itself weighs ten grams, but that. That isn't a free riggable bait, so I'll, I'll rig that up on a very, very long, long for me. I'm talking maybe two, three foot, essentially a caro rig um, that I lock off with a with a float stop to um, to 
it seemed to me on that particular day that I, I didn't want the weight tight up. I wasn't getting many hits on the free rig when the weight had ended up tight up to the bait. That's what that was for me. That was just my own experience on that day. I mean, you might have had different, but um, that's what it was. So a nice long rig, as gentle a flick as I could have done on a bait caster using like a five gram cone lead without just bird nesting everywhere and just ending disaster, as brave as I was prepared to be. So I'd kind of walk up the front of the boat and do a lazy cast and then walk to the back of the boat to give me another sort of 20 foot to play with. And just a, yeah, and just a very gentle, slow retrieve. And it was probably the best fish of the day, just inhaled it. I mean, properly inhaled that bait. Um, and it does... Um, don't you just love that? Oh, it's just... I just... I just love, I just love, like, you don't, obviously, you don't get to see this stuff. It's regrettable that, you know, with a few tiny exceptions that we don't get to see the underwater behaviour of our own sea fish very often on telly. Uh, so you're kind of left to your own devices a little bit on what your mind's eye, the picture it paints. But, you know, when you start to sort of piece all these little tiny experiences that we've been gifted over the years, it's exciting. I mean, you know, I've told you this story before, but one of the biggest rats I've ever had in our area, I landed it in the landing net and it coughed up a pouting. I mean, the, the pouting was seven inches long. I mean, this isn't this isn't territorial behaviour. This is badass hunter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%, man. And look, I, I think that, it's worth reminding ourselves, really, rather than anyone else listening, because there'll be people here listening going, yeah, we know all this, that's all well and good, right? And, and, and you know, and, and that's great. Is that when you're packing your bag for a day out on the water, right? I always do it. Throw in a couple of curveballs in there. Just a couple of random factors. Or, or dig your hand in there and sort of lucky dip and pick something out. Because event eventually, or you end up picking a law at random that ends up being uh, a go-to in the bag. You know, there's lots of laws that come out with me regularly, depending on what we do, that really had no business being in the bag. And then I use something completely different and it's ending up staying in the bag. And then that might then encourage me to go, well, rather than fish it like this, maybe I'll fish it like that. Then it's just about kind of, you know, not staying in our lane too much, really. Just, you know, switching around and not abiding by any so-called rules that, that people might feel kind of... Um, in, not enforced upon them, but, you know, there are no rules for this. You know, I'll say it to anyone, there's, there's no police for this. You can do what you want when you want, providing it's appropriate and you're not fishing, you know, you're not sticking hooks in fish that you shouldn't be and losing gear left, right and centre and leaving hooks in fish and things like that. But on that particular bait, on that western bait, I mean, bear in mind, I was fishing weedless on that because the, the, the ground there was naughty and if you if you kiss the bottom, it you, you get lucky, but you don't always get that back. He'd found the hook. I mean, that's yeah. halfway up the bait, so that's three inches in that bait, the hook, on a weedless hook as well, although that yeah, is a very slim-bodied yeah. shad. Um, so, you know, whether he's side-swiped... I like, I like to think he's that he's just powered at it from the side <laughs> and just completely, yeah. you know... Yeah. <laughs> he's T-boned. <laughs> so, yeah, that was mega. Um I'll I, I power through plenty of baits, and I, don't, I might get my bags behind me. I might have a look in a minute, and we'll we'll try and enlighten people on what we were on that day. Um, just on what just on what you were saying, uh, I think you're dead right. Like the you know, the last bit you just said, hang on. I think 
how many times do we, you know, we're trying to help anglers that are getting into it, asking questions or whatever. And one of the questions you get over and over again, I mean, one of the questions we got over and over again when we were doing the sea angler gig, you know, what what lure? What lure do I mean need to use for this? And it's just like, I get it. Get it? You'd like it's. We're back to our old friend, Mister Confidence, right? What what lure is going to give me confidence? Or what lure can you tell me that passes on your confidence to me? I think that's what that question means. When actually the real response to that question is any bloody lure you like. Like that's the fun bit, right? Approach those fish in the way that you want to approach it. So I don't know how to say this in a humble way, but I think. That that's 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 why I think you and I approach our fishing slightly different. You're probably like me in the week running up to a, a fishing. You're like going through your stuff in the garage or whatever, and you're going, "Oh, I'd like to catch on that," or "I'd like to catch on that." You're you're not once thinking, "Oh, what do I need to take to catch a ras?" Because you know, to be to be outright uh, frank about it, how many more ras do we need to catch? Well, on that lure, all of them. But you know, I don't need to. I don't need to catch any more ass. And I think, I think that some of the traps that anglers occasionally fall fall into is, you know, like I don't need to catch any ras. Yeah, but you haven't caught a ras on one of these. Uh, yeah, and I think I was exactly the same. Like my favourite fish, my own favourite fish of the of the weekend was on a depths bull flat which is currently plastered all over my social media. Like, it's cool, man, because a bull flat, uh, lots of people on uh, on social media very kindly sort of waded in that, you know, look like a massive slater or a, lassi- a massive bug or something that's actually in the Rass's domain. But, but I had a smile on my face because the reality is that the depth's bull flat is actually a bull gill. <laughs> it's a bull gill replica. Like it's it's thin and narrow, a bit like our bream, you know, panfish kind of vibe. So for me to put that on a free rig, chuck it, and it oh, it was the bite of the weekend. Like I've been like I'm not joking, I've been dining on it ever since this week. Like when you find it was the biggest fish of, of of my weekend, it was a forty six centimeter, which you know it's not a giant, but it is, you know, like hallelujah, this is a proper fish, and and I I got two bites of the cherry at it. I found it on a cast, and I've got the balanrass right. The balanrass is the only fish I know where I get almost the same amount of enjoyment on a missed take than I do actually when I land it because oh how many times did this happen over the weekend? You were doing it all day. I don't think I even hear it anymore. Like we're fishing away in our little bubble, like you're facing one way and I'm up the other end of the boat and I'll hear Woo! and I know what's happened because you've just got a massive tonk from a balanrass <laughs> and you've like you haven't got a hook in it. And you're just like it's electric, right? That that tonk that we call it. It's swearing man. There's a lot of there's a oh, lot of swearing. <laughs> You've been really very kind there. It gets quite explicit. Yeah. Man. So yeah. when when I found this fish, the biggest one, oh my god, the hit from it was savage. Like it 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 was jarring through my body, and I was like, oh my god, that was a yeah. I think I, I well as I always probably do. To be fair, I think my, I was shouted over to you. Oh, that was a good one. And luckily on the second pass across it. 
it had another go and uh, it found the offset in this three-inch bull, bull flat, biggest biggest fish of the session. And I'm buzzing about that because to labour the point, you know, that that bag of lures, you've got the same bag of lures, maybe a slightly different colour in your RAS bag and you haven't quite got round to it yet, I don't think. Um, I'm the same. Like, I wanted to catch a RAS on that lure. It wasn't about catching the most ras possible or the biggest ras possible i went and i had a you know half a dozen lures in a bag full of many many more lures that i'm like if i can catch on that today i'll be buzzing and i was and i still am like four or five days later yeah oh man and just for um just for the good people at home that particular plastic the depths of the ball flat is that now framed because it's now no longer usable in any stretch, or do you think you can glue We've that back lot, to life? Uh, in, the, in the kitchen <laughs> currently, my other half is uh, is on a daily moan mission about the crap that I left around the house. I've got almost half the kitchen surface is currently full of lures in various stages of cleaning and gluing. So, yeah, that's up there somewhere. Well, yeah, as as we both know, our respective other uh, halves are very patient uh, ladies. Um, I did try. I, I've got the next size ball flats oh, up to you, you. Well, that's, and that's I did try. I, I did try it briefly, and I wasn't getting any interest. I'm gonna I'm gonna deviate here very slightly because it's a story that I've relayed to you before. But I happened to be speaking to this particular gentleman today, a fellow called Steve Bellinger, who's in the club down our, in uh, down my way, uh, where my boat is. And I was talking to him today, and we were I was about fishing over the weekend and stuff like that. And we were talking about a particular spot where he said, oh, Dan, he said, that's uh, that's where I had those seven and eight pound fish, right? And it's I was like, oh, yeah, of course, my ears pricked up again. Because he told me the story many times, but I always forget cr- crucial bits of it. And it's gone from he's had them on live pout there. Not on purpose. He's bass fishing. Is- I should... I should reiterate. Which fun fun fact is how they used to go record hunting for them in the old days. Yeah, they used to use like this is now. exactly That's right, right? This is what you told me before. So it all ties in. So they go bass fishing at this particular mark, and um, uh, they're they're on live baits, whether it's live pout or small pollock or mackerel, whatever that might be. And as as we've discovered over the years, is that when you're, you're we're bass fishing on particular, obviously where the, generally where there's reef or rock, is that if that drift goes a little bit awry and we end up a little bit shallow or we end up on one side of it, all of us pretty quick, you're getting rass tonks. And But generally, you're, because we're bass fishing, we might be fishing six, seven, eight-inch baits and you're not connecting with those all the time. And then, But what you do, you're very good at, is I'm marking that on the sounder and I'm coming back there rass fishing at some point, right? And so these guys, in years gone by, have had huge balance. And we're talking... I mean, enormous, verified seven pound fish and bigger. And they've been on live baits and on things like perks, all kind of bizarre jewellery they've been throwing down there and hooking these fish up. And as a little side note on that, it does show that particularly those big, the big, big girls, they're not shy of it in a big bait because they're, their apex predator in that swim, right? That that's their job in life. That's what they're there to do. And as we spoke about before at the Cornish thing, you can use that to your advantage by throwing a bigger bait in. I'm just going to bounce back a little bit. I'm all over the show. When you mentioned they're your favourite fish of the weekend, my favourite fish of yours from the weekend was your. I don't cork, think I know where was, you're going. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm going to come back to that. 
was your cork wing on the oh, darting yeah. method. And that was yeah, a proper was one, right? Cool. What was that? Was it a 21, 22? I mean, that's a proper cork wing, man. Yeah, maybe a 21 centimetre, yeah, a hench of a cork wing. Again, and it again, ate it. it. It ate it, right? Yeah. Again, it's it's that same old stuff. I don't know if we covered it in the CLF podcast. But, um, yeah, like, don't rule the fish out. Like, quite often it's just because you haven't got a hook size that they can, they can ram in their mouth. I mean, you know, landing a fish like that, at the sort of extreme end of the size range of a cork wing. It's not to say that every 12 centimetre cork wing was having a go at that lure as I was flicking it left, right, left, right, darting method. Uh, and then we found a fish that, that that would stick. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. I've never done, I'm pretty sure I've never done it before on darting, like wind. Uh, so, yeah, nice one to tick off. That was... Uh, that was a good fish. It wasn't, and it wasn't a particularly micro bait. Right? It was I a mean, two inch, yeah, two inch, two three inch. Yeah. Uh, but it's not, you know. I mean, it's for the diminutive little cork wing. I mean, I had a couple on the day on on small, but small creature baits, and I had to scale down yeah. to get them. But it's, I'm always surprised actually by those slightly bigger cork wings out in the boat that we don't see very often from the shore. I don't see very often from the shore around here. Is that they they're not shy of hitting a bigger bait you know so we haven't got to scale down to size 14s and 16s and you know little drop shot rigs and esome and stuff you know so whilst we weren't there to catch cork wings per se it's that when we get one that's taken kind of an inappropriate law we get yeah, a buzz on about yeah, that kind do. of stuff i yeah. certainly do right that's what kind of drives us over the years man catching stuff that we didn't expect you know and we'll cover all this like i'm going from place to uh, bream to a myriad of species, which brings me on to yeah. the other fish that you didn't quite land, which would have oh been not only the fish of the day, it would have been a fish for us for, of 2023. Yeah. So come on there, talk us through that one, man, because it, it's just yeah, the I've best. Been to, I've, been trying, <laughs> I've been trying to work out what I was using at the time. I, I don't know. I know I know it was unflavoured plastic. That's all we used all weekend, right? So I've narrowed it down that far, but I can't remember if I'm on darting or... You were darting, definitely. Free rig. Oh, it was darting. Yeah. Okay. So, well, that's even more bonkers. Um, so, yeah, it's probably a similar time to said cork wing. And um, sometimes, uh, I don't know if we've gone through the method or not, but, yeah, it's an active method. But sometimes, and we've explained, the weather allowed us to do exactly what we wanted and keep in control of the lure at all times, pretty much, because there wasn't much wind force or tide force. Occasionally, what I'll do is I'll, I won't dead stick it, but I'll slow it right down. So it's like darting, stop, darting, stop, just to see what happens. And um, and yeah, it kind of worked in that on one of these bit of a pauses, when I lifted it up, there was a fish there and immediately I knew it wasn't well it, you know, as the I've talked about this before <laughs> I've talked about this before it's like a, a piscatorial game of guess who that you know I'm sure you'll understand this like if you get a bite or you've got a fish on and just your experience is like oh I think that's an x or a y or whatever species and uh, as I lifted this fish up, I was like, no, it's not a ballon. No, it's not a whatever. It's not a pollock. It's yeah. And I was like, I don't know what this is. And then it, it started moving up tide. And I was like, well, it, it's, you know, classic bass, but it doesn't feel like a bass. It was really sort of slow and weighty. And I'm glad you were there because I'm not sure my eyesight alone would have been verification. But as colour 
<laughs> as colour came in and it got to within about a metre of the surface, I was shouting. I almost didn't want to say it due to sounding like a complete loon. I was like, dogfish. <laughs> and luckily you backed me up. Otherwise, I'd be like, I don't know what just happened. I'm like, you know, the sun's gone to my head. But yeah, dogfish. I've waited. I've waited 12 years for a lure caught dogfish and regrettably I didn't get it in. It's a ludicrous, isn't it? It's a ludicrous. And I'm, I'm calling it. It was a bull hus. I'm calling it. It, it. it was super dark. Bull hus. Okay. I'll take I'm that. calling it as a bull hus and I can back that up with some anecdotal evidence in that um, our intro specialist at the beginning, Wayne, um, this is going to be very niche, right? But I, I'm, I'm going to say it because local guys local to us will know and maybe those that aren't local, it's easy to find out. Um, he did a few hours at the Blocks on Monday and had lots of small bullas there. Um, and the day before, um, he had a big bullas, over £11. Pound. Um, and, 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 and to add some context to that, we don't get a lot of those round our way. They're, they're very unusual. We're an estuary system. Our water yeah, is an estuary system. That's right. And but a lot of boats brought back, or certainly had, had caught bullas that well, day local, and they weren't ploughing. Well, that's notable. Yeah, that's more than notable enough for this exactly. podcast. I think that's super interesting. So, I will add some more evidence to this, oh, which might get us juiced up, right? Because it's had me looking in my bag for squid laws. Is is that? <laughs> oh wow, you're proper taking this. Seriously. Oh mate, am I ever? Because um, Wayne brought one back to the scales, and I'm sure it's been beautifully prepared in some kind of Chinese or Thai recipe by now. Was coughing, was coughing up squid, all lots of squid on the scales, as well as the usual dragon it right. And it's a running joke that anything you bring back to the scales or gut, it, it doesn't matter if it's bass, cod. Bull us rays, they're all just chowing down on dragonets as many as they can. They must be really tasty. I mean, you know, there's something going on with a with Brer Dragonet. Um, but they were full of squid and they're coughing squid up. Now, um, that doesn't mean they're not we're talking whole squid. They're not feeding on this isn't bait that someone's dropped in. These are feeding on squid. And it certainly seems in the past week or so that the squid have turned up what mini on, mini squid on mass or good size ones. I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll get Wayne to clarify that for us. And um, anecdotally, again, this is this is this is pure gossip here. But wow, you have been busy. This is so. I know of some guys that were fishing on ride. I, I, I say I know of. This is second or third hand, but I buy it right because this is fishing rumor. If you don't accept it for what it is, then then where's the fun for any of us? Ride pier, squid fishing. Uh, what right. should come through and start smashing stuff? They was um, the little Benito. So this is the first time you've heard this. I haven't texted this to you already. I wanted to get live reaction. Night a nighttime Benito. I I presume there. so. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's news we're not talking, you know, these guys apparently were experienced enough to know that they weren't just big jumbo mackerel. The, this was a different beast and they're feeding on squid. So this kind of massive squid, something's happening. Something's happening. Why do you always do this to me when the forecast goes to shit? Why couldn't you have told me this when we, we had some nice weather? I'm, all I'm doing, I'm just passing the information on as I receive. There's, there's, the, I'm not, there's, oh, there's no judgment here. But there's something happening, man. And certainly with the bull us coming in, 
um, anecdotal evidence of other stuff. There were tuna at the south of the island at the weekend, I think, maybe on the day we were out yeah, or the day before. Yeah, Valkyrie posted, didn't they, Glenn? This is, um, yeah, the times are a-changing, man. The times are a-changing, so there's stuff going on. But, to yeah, Buller, should it surprise us, mate? You know, I don't know. We are going to do an episode at some point, maybe in the winter when the fishing slows or the weather's terrible. We're going to do um, a, a whole episode on the uncatchable stuff that we've actively been told we would never catch on plastics or laws of uh, any kind. Yeah. And we've subsequently done it, not only done it, but done it regularly enough as well. So that, that's going to be coming up at some point. You know, um, we're going to we're going to get into that. But yeah, the bull us dogfish have eluded us, which actually. You know, we've not even foul looked any of those those fellas. So, which is for us in an in an estuarine environment, we've kind of it sounds harder to avoid it than it has been to do it. And but since you mentioned it online, there have been other guys going, no, we we do it, and we yes. you know regularly enough. So these dudes have got skills, man. They um, they're flexing on us, mate. That's yeah, what they're doing. We are. We're obviously not trying hard enough. We've got to think this through. No, we're not trying hard enough. So I'm going to rewind back a little bit. So on our bad and fishing, which was the mainstay of the day, and we had some decent fish between. If like I say, none, none, none of the real big ones. We've had. I mean, I think my PB is 51. I'm, I'm sure you've, you've beaten that maybe by a centimetre or two over the years. And these are big balans, you know, big. Yeah. If anyone is familiar with measuring perch, then the balan perch measure would be the same thing, right? It's a similar yes. scale, isn't it? Yes. To the point that so, it kind of maxes you know, out, and then it then it then it kind of grows uh, vertically. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're yeah, the good really ones. Good. They're the ones you got to hit and hold. You, you can't give those any quarter those fish. Um, can you recall on the day then? Because this wasn't like a you know like I say we weren't prepping for anything on this day. This wasn't you know sort of match prep or competition prep. So we're not making lists or notes. It's all really just trying to remember now. Can you remember the baits that you were on that day, the more successful ones, or is it all a bit yeah, of a blurb? It's a bit now? of a blurb. I can only really remember, you know, darting aside. Well, well yeah, darting uh, again. Uh, I've got, you know, like if you follow my social, you've seen using darting quite a while now, and I've got my sort of staples. But, yeah, part of this is because I went to Japan earlier in the year and I really went in heavy on uh, some cool stuff. So, Darting, I think all the darting lures I used in the day were a, com- a Japanese little Japanese company called Dream Up. Probably news to quite a lot of you. Uh, it's a darting, yeah, news to me in fact, specialist. yeah, yeah, they're very cool. Uh, their Dart Eight, uh, a range of lures comes in various sizes. Very, very cool. Can't wait to stick some of those in some more fish soon. Uh, creature bait wise I got through a lot I kind of like was on a mission mm. not recently I kind of switched up my ras bag up a little bit because I'd caught quite a lot of what I had in there and I just changed it over to to stuff that needed an outing yeah. so yeah stuff that's memorable I really like uh, Depp's spiny crawl um, for me it's got exactly the right combination for ras in terms of it's got quite a big presence, but it's very soft. It's got a lot of movement. Um, probably the most important. So, so, so being having a big presence and a lot of movement is good for all fish, right? Because, hello, here I am, eat me. You know, it's always yeah. good. But the point with ras is, the rockfish that we are stuck with in the UK has a fairly small mouth. It doesn't have an extending mouth like a bucket mouth bass. 
So you have to think about that. So, you know, I like a big lure, but it has to be able to fold up on itself so that the wrasse can ingest it and the hook rate is higher. So that's one of my faves. There was other lures. I've mentioned them in the podcast, but yeah, that's that, that, that that's a good well, one. Yeah, you meant... So I, I, I was just going to add, actually, that on... When, we're, when I'm fishing over slightly cleaner ground on the free rig, I prefer to use just an exposed hook um, rather than weedless. But where we were, it was a little bit naughty in there. And, and, and I didn't want to just keep burning through um, hooks and losing plastic every every other cast. So um, I was fishing, depends what the size of the lure was, 1.0, 2.0 maybe 3-0, depending on the size of the law, sort of weedless worm hooks, nothing special, no particular pattern or gape or anything like that. It tends to be just what I've got in the bag on the day because I'm not overly precious about that stuff because you are going to lose a bit of stuff. So, you know, I don't feel the need to um, to go too nuts on that. I've just, funny enough, my bag is still here because I'm ashamed to say I still haven't emptied it out from the weekend and there's some interesting... I'm just going to make sure there are no Z-Man hiding in there that's about to melt everything. That's <laughs> done but what in one of the goodie bags we got from um, Ben at Art of Fishing at the weekend, one of the goodie bags I got was uh, the Fish Arrow Free Rig Shrimp, which suits it perfectly. And that was a bit of a kill. It's only a two and a half inches, that one. Um, and the colour in this is kind of like a dark, very dark green colour. Um, Man, I was slaying every size brass. Left yeah. Oh, weed right. neon. There we go. So I'm mean, check Ben out for those because that's a that's a tidy little bait that wouldn't only work as a free rig. That would work on all kinds of different things. It's a very cool bait, and it does work very well. Because like I say, think on on the free rig. For those that haven't used it, think of the bait needs to have some kind of parachute effect to it. So it needs to not fall as quickly as what the weight is. And it needs to be able to separate itself from the weight on the drop. I think that's, and there's plenty of times, plenty of laws that I thought would be suitable for that that aren't suitable for that. And you'll find that it just attaches itself to the weight and it doesn't fall away. You can cheat that a little bit. Well, I found I can cheat that a little bit by upping on the weight size. So most of the weekend, beats it down. Yeah, most of the week, most of that day, I would have been on probably five grams, maybe seven if I wanted to cast a bit further, sometimes three if 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 the conditions suit oh, wow. you. I think you were lighter than me. Actually. Yeah, so if, yeah. if I was, um, I wanted to increase the, the full rate on the weight, obviously it's quite simple, nip your hook off, heavier weight on, and you'll find the weight will just drop quicker um, under it, and it would give that slightly more parachute effect. A paddle towel will often do the same job, or you could go down the... You know the floating bait. You could go down the Z-Man route and stuff like that, which naturally yeah, that is slow it down, which is it? naturally yeah. buoyant anyway. So um, it's a killer method. The free rig. It's really exciting because there's a lot of line watching with it. So on the drop, you're you're, you're dropping on slack line, and you're watching the line to see if it twitches and that's often where the aforementioned swearing will come in because you know you've just missed one and neither your law weight line braid rod reel none of that has felt anything all you've done is seen that visually and i have to say both you and i avid watchers of um the hookup tackle stuff online and all that when we talk about bottom contact rods and i wasn't really using that kind of style this weekend really? i was kind of me I was medium fast rather than rather than fast fast, and there's no doubt I missed 
several fish that weekend because it, because I just again I just had a rod and it's a bit like using the laws. So I, I just want to use that rod today. Yeah, I just took it. It was a twenty rated to twenty one gram uh, Norris uh, rod. Um, which it just hasn't had much use, and I just wanted to take it out. Much of it felt like a poor orphan child that that needed a day out on the water, <laughs> and it was fine. You know, I, I caught well on it. But if we were going, re- if I was going really serious that day, or, or you know, as, as serious as we ever need to go, or ras fishing, I would have gone for ultra fast. You know, for, for, for the freshwater anglers amongst us, you might think of what a Xander rod might be, something really fast with yeah. a decent ability for hook set yeah hook set or slack line detecting right yeah 100 yeah, uh, so the free rig stream i've got some nice funky jackal laws here chunk craws sunny bruvs oh, yeah, uh, like sunny those. brothers yeah Knuckle i mean they're in the same family as yeah um, they're pretty boss man i think i was using the equivalent which is uh bottom up uh bull hog um and it's they've both those lures, the one you were using, aforementioned, and the one I just, uh, the bullhog by bottom up, very unusual uh, action for a creature bait because it's got a it, it's got a dolphin kick in the in the claws, and uh, I'm I'm definitely going to spend some more time with that one because what impressed me most is that I could feel I, I you know I spent some time with an outfit that I was using fluorocarbon all the way through which normally numbs it. We're used to using braid, aren't we? And I could still feel the lure working. So that was giving me confidence that in a scenario, I might find myself where either the sun's gone down a bit and the light levels have dropped or they've got a bit less clarity. That might be a good creature to look out where, you know, if I feel like I need to ring the dinner bell, I can buzz it a little bit on the free rig. And it's going to call a few fishing. So yeah, that was that was a nice. To it's um one interesting thing about creature bait fishing is for me because I love creature bait fishing, whether it's micro creature baits or or whether it's big ones, is that um in the same way of paddle tails, shads, or whatever, that there's 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 many deviations and there's tons of different styles and that, and and essentially it's replicating. Most of this stuff's American or Japanese, so it's replicating some kind of crayfish or craw in that sense. And you know, but for us, particularly, um, you know, there's not many crayfish where we're fishing, or there's certainly not many craw there. So it's some of these creatures aren't necessarily we're not matching the hatch in that sense. Um, but their design and stuff like that, like the fish arrow one I'm looking at now, is. Um, it's all about the, the amount of appendages on it, really, which is giving it that parachute effect, the drag, the resistance on it, um, rather than um, something there that's actually going to offer resistance in the water. It's it's more numbers rather than physical stuff. Whereas on the knuckle hogs, which is only a three-inch bait, it's um, on the what you would have described as the claws at the front, they're actually very wide and very thick. So the idea being is that's what's going to... Yeah, that's what's going to give it that peculiar action, um, as opposed over to more, your more traditional uh, creature baits. So, and it's really something that we can use to good effect from the boat, and and get that action to be slightly different, rather than if we were fishing from the shore trying to cast on nine, ten foot rods and fishing at sixty yards. Well, that might be an ambitious cast, but you know what I mean. Fishing at distance. Um, where the free rig really wouldn't offer you anything, and you're going more for 
attracting a fish's attention by ma not matching the hatch, but something maybe a bit more natural rather than something, not to say that they wouldn't work for that because I'm sure they would. But um, I, I think certainly as so far as the free rig, and it, it, it's a, uh, it's it's a very interesting, it's a very exciting way to fish. I enjoy it a lot actually. You know, it's constantly moving. There's there's not a lot of off time in that, and you can replicate that perfectly from fishing right down to one or two gram free rig rate, uh, weights with tiny hooks right up to we've done it with twenty eight grams and and bigger baits and all the way through. The principle is the same throughout. Um, but I think it's. Don't go too soft on the rod. You want something relatively fast still because you, you don't that sensitivity and that feel through the line or, or through your braid and stuff um, on a softer rod, you'll miss more than what you get. Well, certainly, let's face it, I would miss more than what I catch. So it's um, it's been quite successful for us over the years, isn't it? The free rig and it's 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 a nice way to fish, if not expensive weights. Let's be honest, they're not the cheapest weights to buy in the world, no. but there's plenty available. The jungle gym ones are a, are a mainstay. I think that might be how we got um, into for it, us. actually, as we stumbled across the jungle gym beans and that kind of made us try it and the rest is history while you were while you were talking there i actually remembered that part way through the day i tried the jicker rig for a while like i'm not i'm not here to assassinate the jicker rig i like it i like you know the pros of the jicker rig for me is because you've got more contact with the weight kind of di direct to the weight because the weight is direct to the lure you get a lot of feedback feel from the bottom from it and i like it for that for like feeling my way through cover uh again no logic i didn't change over to it uh for any logical reason other than i wanted to try something different because we were you know i know we're coming across like we're uh the free rigs fanboy uh collection here so i, I just changed over to try something different and anecdotally it wasn't a solid scientific split test but it was noticeably uh i'm tempted not to say worse because it depends how i was fishing it but didn't seem to be as productive as the free rig and no doubt that's because of the slack that the free rig uh builds into the system so yeah that was interesting i'm not i'm not going to throw chicka rig under the bus as i say I, I like it i'm glad i carry it i've always got it with me uh but it was interesting if only from an anecdote perspective that it seemed to free rig seemed to have an advantage over jicka on this day yeah and, and this is what it, it's important you know negative results are still results and I, I did i switched over to a jig head at one point a very light jig head mind but it was it was a jig head all the same and put a creature bait direct onto it so there's no um uh, there's no movement in that as such, only what I'm imparting on that. And I think I might have done half a dozen casts on it and, and not a touch, not a sniff, nothing. So it's impossible to call why that might have been the case, but as soon as I switch back over again, then that was the, that, that was on. I'm going against myself here, but when I was using a long, flowing caro rig, I, I caught quite a few fish that way. Um I guess you could argue maybe there is some slack in the line there, but what it was is I think it's a lazier movement on the law, both on the free rig and on a long caro rig. It's not, you know, it's not too erratic, and maybe that was the key on the day. I don't know because they were more focused on riddle. They should have been focused on what was about two foot above them in the big shoulder bait that was yeah, sat underneath well, it. We were fishing so the wrong way they didn't side, yeah. maybe need to 
you know, they didn't need to expend loads of energy chasing a very erratic bait around, but if something was wafting around in front of it and it gathered its attention for whatever reason on that You're day, not turn it, down. It, it was yeah. smashing them, right? Yeah. It was smashing them. So it's um, you actually snuck out the day after, didn't you? Yes. And, and you've kind of repeated, I guess. Yeah, I just did exactly the same, which perhaps seems madness, but I really do enjoy it that much. I could do two on the bounce, doing pretty much the same thing. I think the only thing that really changed the second day was because I didn't have the pressure of you on board uh, pushing me to be cooler and cooler with your insanely cool catches. I just found a groove and I stuck with it. It's kind of, I took it like a kind of practice session. So I think I'm pretty sure I've fished casting gear, bait caster, all day. And I, you know, alluded to this earlier on. I had a, I was fishing fluoro, 12 pound fluorocarbon straight through. So I left the braid behind. Really, my only logic here, like I say, to me, it was a practice session. Um, there was no pressure on me. Uh, was because we were chatting about this on the on the Sunday actually that it does feel weird it does feel weird moving over to casting when you've got so many hours of spinning under your belt and that you know again we're not assassinating either side uh, I know that you know you follow US if you follow US uh, bass fishing over the course of the past sort of three or four years um, there's been quite a movement from pretty much everyone fishing casting gear and now you see way more spinning gear uh, on the live coverage and through that process there's been quite a few sort of high profile anglers that have been all too ready to slag off spinning i think it's the same thing i think if you've got a gazillion hours under your belt with one then when you go over to the other you feel a bit cack-handed and certainly that's how it feels to me currently i feel like i'm missing something but i'm not it's just it's just i'm not you know it you know spinning gear to us right like we've done it long enough it it's an extension of your arm so i haven't got that yet so yeah sp- spent the day on casting i really really enjoyed it and i really really enjoyed uh in my own head at least being a bass pro for the day um i didn't tell you this i even had my first um break off on the strike you know you see that on the comps periodically don't you so yeah that's that's one more badge of honor that i've gained to make me more like a u.s bass pro is that i struck into a fish and god knows how i managed to break 12 pound <laughs> 12 pound fluorocarbon on the strike which um you know i slightly saddened that i might have left a lure in a fish but i do use um I do use barbless hooks for rats, so I, I, yeah, hopefully I, shook it pretty I quick. like to think that you fell backwards at some point and landed in a great big old man heap on the deck and just... Uh, I would not tell you if I did. Ah, well, this is the problem, you see. Let um, let the boys and girls know then. So I was on, I was using BC when I was out of you on the Sunday and um, without too much thought put into it, I just kind of grabbed a rod. So I've got a, a Mega Bass Destroyer rated up to five eighths so i know i was a little bit lighter than you and just i forget what the the braid was it wasn't particularly light um on there um with a baitcaster reel on there you were a touch heavier than me right and i think your rod would have been a little bit faster what what was your rod rated to uh, i was on it using a 10 to 40 but yeah we, we're, we're going to touch on this a million times if this podcast continues is that rod ratings are a little bit like shoe sizes is there you know, they're not necessarily calibrated. So I didn't feel like it was a 10.40. It felt like a 10.30 to me. I didn't feel like I was fishing over heavy. 
but yeah, it's completely the wrong rod. Uh, not made for that purpose. You said earlier you you used a rod just because you had it and you, it looked neglected. So you did your fatherly thing and took it out for the day. I wasn't too far away from that. Like like you say, but again, we touched on this, the importance of sometimes if you've got enough time. I appreciate like people people don't have masses of time to go fishing. So I understand that probably most people when they go fishing they want to be on top of the top of their game. But I would I would implore you to occasionally, you know, get outside your comfort zone, use stuff that you think isn't what you'd normally use just because I think you learn from it. Like I said, you know, use Jigger and it wasn't as good. Uh, so I've learned something or I've got certainly got a feeling about it. And it's the same. I've used used the rod that, that has a certain action. And now a bit like you said, I, I spent the, the whole day with it. And now I, in my head, I've got a better idea of what kind of uh, what rod I want to try next that I might be able to squeeze an extra 10% out. You know, like we've touched on already a, a traditional bottom contact rod a rod that's extra fast so that it, it's got extra feel so you can feel your way through that um yeah all good no no wrong answers in lure fishing man no no you're right and and i know from um uh from speaking to many people who, who particularly in the boat angling community obviously down in my part of the world in that um the rafts are much derided they are. Um, it, it, the old story about, you know, what's the best way to cook a rass? Throw it in a pot with a house brick, take it out and eat the brick, right? So for that reason, they're, they're not high on most people's lists, but there's no doubt that everyone enjoys being attached to a four or five or a six pound ballon rass. I don't, you know, if, if you don't enjoy that, then you don't enjoy your fishing. Um if you, anyone has the opportunity, give it a go from the boat, uh, rass fishing with soft plastics. And we've had them on, more seasoned anglers will know, you can get them on metal jigs, you can get them on a variety of different ways of catching catching ballon rass. Check it all out online. There, there's there's way more um, seasoned rass anglers than what we are that, 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 that will offer um, all kinds of good advice on that kind of stuff. Um, but from when we've, started doing this kind of stuff over the you know the last decade or so it is one of the things we always come back to right you know we love our ras fishing it's just good fun that that and from that initial hit to that first run um it's a ton of fun they're a pretty fish they photograph well they tick all the boxes for me mate and as, as you well know um and i if anyone is curious if anyone is ras curious then if you know where to find them Rig yourself up sensibly. Don't go too light. You know, think about what you're doing. But you will have a ton of fun. And if you don't enjoy it, well, you probably don't enjoy law fishing because it, it is kind of it is our rock fish, and it is it, it's a, it's a ton of fun. And I really really enjoy it. And, and I would just encourage anyone really to give it a go because um on those days where you might be moaning about the fact that the tide won't let me fish here or I can't get the bait to go there and all that kind of stuff. A bag of plastics, a few jig heads or a few, you know, Cheb weights or, you know, Texas weights, whatever it might be. And you could probably scratch a day's ras fishing out of it somewhere. But anywhere from April through to probably, probably December these days, right? I mean, you know, we, we get a long old season for that now. It's a ton of fun. I was, 
I think, you know, a normal kind of seven foot rod, 3000 size fixable reel, that would do, you know, most 10, 12, 14, 16 pound braid, depending on how brave you are. That will do you. You're fishing pretty much, do you know what I mean? Anything up to maybe 15, 18, 20 feet, that will do most things that you need to be doing. So it really is um, It's a ton of fun. And we will, no doubt, we'll be updating this as and when the weather allows us to get out and do some stuff, um, whether it's through now till the winter or through into the spring, right? So um, that's certainly where I'm at with it. I mean, you know, I don't know if you've got anything else to add on that, man. No, but, you I know, this, isn't, this wasn't supposed to be a a ras fishing no, kind of guide or how to way, and i wonder if our biggest challenge with this podcast is not turning it into a ras podcast such as such as the yeah. enthusiasm that you've just passed across there so this we're over again uh which is classic we apologize once more we will get better at this uh feels like a good time to wrap up i think we've covered covered most of what we've uh bumped into we've been lucky enough to get out and fish for in the last uh week or so since the last since clf uh what do we need to how do we need to wrap this up mate well i just want to thank everyone again for their kind um messages if, if they stuck with us for another hour and a half another bumper episode um thank everyone again for their kind messages um we got a little bit buzzed out of it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell lies. It, it, it buzzed us up a little bit. So that was really, that was really kind of people to say. So we've had some lovely messages. Do hit us up <clears throat> on, we have got our own um, email address, such as modern technology, which is DNA fishing pod at gmail.com. I'm tempted to say just email us, right? I mean, that could be anything. It could be questions. It could be all sorts as, the first two episodes will testify to we're hoping to have a different intro guest every week. So if someone wants to come on and they want to pimp out their gear, they want to, you know, advertise their YouTube channels, they got, you know, whatever you might do, you know, drop us a voice note. You never know. We might just drop you in there at some point, right? We just want to kind of keep that a little bit fresh, really. Um, but that's uh, that's pretty much the nuts and the bolts of it from me, my friend. Um Thank everyone for listening. Yep, you will. Uh, if they if they want to get in contact, they'll find us in you know normal social media. I'm Mr. Adam Kirby. I think on the socials. I think you're Langston Angler on Facebook. Um, sure oh yeah, just just search, search search for yeah, us one Langston. way or another. Find one of us, and you'll find the other one. We're, we're never too far behind each other in one way or another. So until the next time we will meet, whenever that might be, it will be soon, hopefully, because uh, yeah, we we got some other stuff coming up. So. Um, Thanks for listening, and um, I, I hope you catch a big one, and oh, we'll nice. see you next time.